0: So tonight we're going to continue with the timeline mentality. Remember two purposes in Bible prophecy, which are what? Yes. Prepare us. Yes. Prepare us and encourage us, right? Um, so if you think about the timeline I meant to have a board up here then I realized not everybody would be able to see the board Uh, it's just a small board Um, so when we think about the timeline uh, we think of the cross and then what comes after the cross again the timeline of prophetic events that we know from the scriptures the church age and oh by the way I did copy off another timeline from Charlie Campbell's website. Um, you know, if the fish is biting, you use the same bait, right? So Charlie has another good timeline. and It's kind of small, um, but it works. So when we think about the timeline from the cross, and then what's the period of time that we're living in now? Church. The church age. And we know last week from Daniel chapter 9, that that church age, the time we're living in, We'll come to an end. We know that the rapture, when Jesus comes for his church, we talked about the rapture a couple weeks ago. And then we looked at Daniel chapter 9, where the Antichrist will make that firm covenant with the many, which is Israel, right? So we know that's going to be the beginning of the tribulation period. So tonight, we're going to look at the tribulation period. But first of all, there's a couple events that take place in the tribulation period that we're probably not going to get to that we would put on the timeline. Um, We're going to look at tonight, before we get to the tribulation, you know, the, the events that we might be more aware of, with the judgment seat of Christ. There's a couple other events that if you look on your timeline... especially two, well, we might get to one next time we meet. Um, Ezekiel 38 and 39. That's a very interesting event that we would have on our timeline. I just don't feel right about doing a flyby with it. And I don't think um, a half a night will do it justice. So we might postpone that to a little bit later. But it is important. Uh, some move the time of Ezekiel 38 and 39 at different places on God's timeline. I'm convinced it is in the first half of the tribulation. Um, and that's where a lot of scholars, uh, theologians that many of you align yourselves with will agree with. But we also see um, we see the seven-year peace agreement, which we looked at last week. And tonight we're going to look at the tribulation period, the seven years, and the last three and a half years being the great tribulation. But I thought it would be good that we go over the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, who has Romans chapter 14, verse 10? I do. But why do you... 14, 10, right? Yes. Okay. Who has 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9
1: and 10? I do. It is. Wherefore, we labor that whether, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whatever it be good or bad.
0: Okay, so the judgment of Christ. What ha, what's another name that we know the judgment seat of Christ, the bema seat of Christ? And what is this judgment? Rewards, right? Then when does this take place? After the rapture. Okay. So it's we kind of have a tendency to forget about this on a timeline, or at least I have. Um, but you think of who will be judged. Well, we know Christians are going to be judged. Not to be confused with our sin has already been judged at the cross, right? The penalty that we owe to God has been taken care of through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we stand before God now as not guilty, right? Yes. But we will stand before God and our works will be judged. And who will be judging us? Jesus himself, right? Jesus, he's our perfect judge. John 5, says that the Father has committed all judgment into his hands He's the perfect judge because Jesus is the standard of goodness and all righteousness. He has the right to judge as he is the ultimate example. What was the was that 522. Of so what book? John. John, okay. John chapter 5, verse 22. So the judgment will occur in the presence of Jesus and whom else? The angels. Angels? Who else? The saints, all of us, will be there. I don't know. That makes me nervous.
2: <laughs>
0: it shouldn't, right? If we can stand before Jesus, we can stand before our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Except, you no. Know. <laughs> I'm going to be nice tonight. I'm not trying to get ahead of the game, but um, point, point was
3: made, right? <laughs> well, on that point of all, those,
1: all the bad stuff that we have all done, you know, that we were be ashamed of, but that's just gonna show the mercy of God that how He took us out of all those things You know and saved us. I mean, even you know, you were that bad and look what He's taken he Amen. You.
0: And all glory goes to Him, right? That's right. And that's that's where that's where it belongs. We're being judged and the standard of our judgment, it isn't even about us. It's about the judgment that comes from Jesus. What took place in your life after, you know, we came to Christ. Mm-hmm. What took place? And if we turn to, uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. What is it, 2, what, 8 to 10? 8 through 10. Says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, we have those two verses down, don't we? Mm -hmm. But it's amazing uh, the inspiration that Paul received from the Holy Spirit to add verse 10. Mm -hmm. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that fascinating? Because sometimes we want to think about, well, it's, it's not about works. Well, that's true in the sense of our salvation. But after we come to Christ, we are to work for rewards. thats We don't hear that too often. But that's exactly what Paul taught to the church at Corinth, right? Let's go to... Um, When we think about, uh, you know, us being God's workmanship, we, we, we are his piece of work. Mm-hmm. And he's not ashamed of us. Mm-hmm. How glorious is that? He's not ashamed of us. And uh, there's not one person here that, we're, that is finished. God is still knocking off the, you know, the pointed edges. Some of us have more pointed edges than others. And God has to do extra chiseling, right? But at least he's chiseling. And he's happy to do so. He loves to prune that we might have more good fruit for him. Um, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Didn't we just read this? That's okay. We'll read it again. I'll read, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So again, the worth of our works that will be judged isn't based on you and I as the worker. As Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Yeah, and that's that's uh, good because that really puts it in context of, of the judgment being done. It's not going to be like, well, it's fifty percent or sixty percent. You know, Jesus said to store up treasure in heaven, and so these are works that are being are are based on the foundation. You know, Paul talked about that in First Corinthians three. Maybe we should turn there. That goes along with that scripture, First Corinthians, or who has it? First Corinthians chapter three. Verses 10 through
1: 15. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. so as
0: through fire. Okay. So our works are either worthy of the Lord, <clears throat> therefore receiving a reward, or they're not worthy of the Lord and they'll be burned up, right? Not only does God judge uh, Jesus going to be judging the work itself, but what else? Our motives. Our motives, our motivation. So that goes right along with uh, what Joanne was saying about the bad. I could do something that might be good, but if I have pride in my heart and that was the motivation for doing it, it's worthless because it's not unto the Lord, right? Um, but <clears throat> so the issue is quality of the works that line up with the expectation or was it worthy to unto the Lord, worthy of the gospel? And so what are, when we talk about rewards, what are some of the rewards that the Scripture talk about that we might receive? Crowns. Crowns, yes. We're going to get crowns, Jason. Huh? I hope, anyway. We're going to get crowns. You might. <laughs> 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 Wrong answer. Try harder. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about these crowns. Um, who has 1 Corinthians nine twenty five? I do. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Okay. So there's the imperishable crown or the incorruptible crown. What about 2 Timothy four eight? So, this crown of righteousness is uh, reserved for those who love his appearing. I want one of those. (laughs) Who's ready for Jesus to come? What is there in our life that might hinder us seeing Jesus? Well, we hope nothing, right? That's why we we long to live for him. But you know, and that's the encouragement we need to give our brothers and sisters who might not be walking in the Lord. Maybe they're on the fence. We need to encourage them with this. Jesus is coming. What was the 1 Corinthians verse that was? Read? Uh first Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty five. And then who has Revelation chapter two, verse ten?
4: you will have tribulation ten days. Be
0: faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Okay. So the crown of life, reserved for those who are, where it's a martyr's crown. And then what about 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4?
4: The, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away.
0: Okay. So that's from uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, pointing to... the crown of glory apparently leading or reserved for those who lead well, elders. I think it has more meaning than that myself, um, but the crown of glory. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse nineteen. Okay, So there is the crown of rejoicing, and this is commonly referred to as the soul winner's crown. That's what Paul was talking about. He was talking about those uh, of those Thessalonian believers that they they were his joy. He was the one who led them to the Lord and discipled them. And um, what an awesome crown that will be. Any crown would be great, but this is a soul winner's crown. Uh, How amazing is that? You think of the crown perhaps like Billy Graham. Um, might have you know uh, those that are just sold out to sharing the gospel of Jesus and having a heart um, to disciple them just like the apostle Paul now let's take away the crowns right and think of these uh, what what we might call spiritual words righteousness life glory rejoicing right there's enough for me right there's not enough righteousness here on earth There's not enough of the abundant life that Jesus desires for us. There's not enough glory of God's glory because the world's rejecting God. And then the rejoicing. We are going to have total rejoicing in the Lord and glory with him. Uh, One question, um, whenever I read uh, through the the rewards and the judgment seat of Christ, uh, We had a conversation years ago, somebody asking, uh, those that might not receive a crown, will they know their loss? I'm just throwing it out there. It really doesn't matter one way or another. But what's our thoughts
4: on that? okay must be that, that things are the way they're supposed to be yeah I was gonna say I think we're going to be so happy to be there that like she was saying I don't think we'll be regretting but I think we will possibly for me thinking oh, I wish I would have done more yeah rather than regretting oh like somebody got more than me right I don't think we'll have those feelings right. there agree. But, like
0: Boy, I should have done more. Okay. It's interesting to think about. I don't know if I have a correct answer, but I don't think we'll be stomping our feet and say, I'm out, I'm out of here in any fashion.
3: <laughs> Fine.
0: <laughs> we will be in glory with the Lord and our joy is going to be made full. I do, you know, it's quite possible, and I don't know if we have scripture to back it up, that um, we will have a sense of I could have done better. But that's not going to weigh on us. It's not going to, we're not going to spend eternity thinking about it. And as we, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to. We're going to be seeing the Lamb of God. Continuously. No, no tears in heaven. Crying about it. That's right. We sure won't be crying about it. That we that's absolutely scripture for that.
5: share with others, and, and um, that to me is, is what, you know, pushes, pushes me every day, because you want to hear that from him, because you don't want to let him down, even though, you know, you can't let him down, but even, because <laughs> he loves us so much, but, you know, it's just, it, it pushes you, you know, or at least you, you
0: want it. Yeah, it should, absolutely, and, you know, I kind of... Um, Throughout out there that will be not only before the Lord, but also our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, do, I mean, I don't want it to be a prideful thing, but if somebody has like four of these crowns and I don't have any, that might make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I say that. The person who led them to the Lord? There you go. Pride's going to be gone. And two, what is, again, what's all the crowns for? To give back to, to the Lord. But I do believe, uh, to Joanne's point, the Lord encourages us that we do pursue Him for rewards. And re- you know, rejoicing in Him. Um, and that's what I love about this group is because it's not just sitting around talking about end time stuff. You're all serving the Lord, and you have a desire to reach out to the lost and, and love people. And in um, and, and some fashion, some of you are more on the front lines than others, and you have no idea how God's using you. But because you have the light of Jesus, you're, you're demonstrating and you're showing that to others. And so uh, it's not just to have in our mindset, yes, we're going to stand before the the beam of seed of Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit uses that to encourage us to, to live for Him. And, man, we're getting so close, and hopefully we're all hearing the Holy Spirit saying, we're close, we're close, we're close. So, okay, any other questions or comments on the beam of seed of Christ? Okay, well, we are going to move into the tribulation period. Jesus said of the tribulation, For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. It's interesting the word tribulation means trouble, trouble because man essentially will be living with the consequences of rejecting God and rebelling against him. Trouble also because we know that throughout the book of Revelation, God is bringing down his judgment. Now, I gave you another little outline of the seals or the different judgments, the seal judgments, the trump, the seven trumpets, the uh, seven bulls. Um, and as you see on this timeline, that starts in Revelation chapter six and going through Revelation chapter nine. We're not going to cover these judgments. Again, <laughs> we, we have a you know, one and a half study to go. <laughs> uh, but it's good to understand. Um, These judgments that are of God and how he and his infinite wisdom judging the the world, the unbelieving world. And if we take um, the Bible literally as we do, we know that there's no other time period in all of the scriptures that is spoken of or revealed to us uh, more so than this time period of tribulation, this time period of seven years. You know, Jesus, when uh, quoted that in verse 21 from him, that's more the second half of the tribulation, right? We talked about this last week when Daniel chapter 9. We have the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. And what's the trigger point, or what's what gets the clock started? The rapture. The rapture, more specific. The signing, the peace treaty, the covenant, okay? And there is probably a, a, a time, I mean, I, we don't know. We don't know. God's in charge of the time. He'll, he has it all figured out. But we know that the Antichrist will sign the peace agreement with Israel, which begins the tribulation. We know from our study in Daniel chapter 9 that this is a, a time period of seven years. This is Daniel's 70th week. We know that there's two period of times within this seven year. The first three and a half years of the tribulation, uh, the beginning of sorrows, and the last three and a half years is the great tribulation, where the wrath of God will be intensely poured out upon this earth, uh, upon those who bring about evil. And I thought we would take a little bit of uh, time um, to focus on the evil entities of the tribulation. Um, the Bible notes that several entities will arise in the last day, and entity, entities simply is not, not symbols, but real individuals or systems, governments that Satan will work through to advance his agenda. And uh, really we see through satan through the, through the antichrist we see that he's manifesting his rage against god and we know according to revelation 12:12 12, 12, and this is interesting that satan knows his time is short he knows and so we know just by experiencing the days that we're living in things are Uh, accelerating when it comes to Bible prophecy, accelerating to what we read in the scriptures of this tribulation period of time. We know that, you know, it's very imminent that the Lord's coming for his church based on the signs that we see on the prophetic timeline. We know that it's got to be soon. It has to be. And uh, so we, we see these things. But Let's turn to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Uh, praise God for the message yesterday. Wasn't that awesome message? Very encouraging. I wanted to tell him, well, you just ruined Tuesday night. But, no, no, Monday night. He just enhanced it, yes. (laughs) Revelation 13, um, we get to see or read of these evil entities. We see, uh, you know, this one world government. Have you heard that phrase lately? Um, The new world order that has been... You know, it doesn't even matter Republican or Democrat presidents for for decades. Uh, clear back to you know Nixon was using it. Um, George Bush was using it. Senior New World Order and, and uh, just longing for the chance for the globalists, the elitists to. You know, this has been going on for a long time. This has been Satan's plan. God's sovereign, God knows exactly what you know is going on. But we see some interesting things here in Revelation chapter 13 to be reminded of. You know, Satan has always counterfeited the truth. The truth of God, the truth of Jesus. So verse 1 says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now the beast, which I saw, was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So we have two, let's call them bad characters of the tribulation. Well, I like the word entity better, but... um, We have two two of these, two bad guys. And who are they? Who's the the dragon? Dragon is Satan. All right? And who is the beast? That is the Antichrist. And the dragon is giving the beast all power and all authority. All right? And then we see verse 3, it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So, right here we see one of the greatest counterfeits ever by, by Satan and the Antichrist. That the Antichrist, as the word says here, and it's debated whether he actually uh, you know, dies a death. I believe he does. That's up for debate. And so what is this mocking? Christ, death, and resurrection. Resurrection. It's mocking the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So just as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. And here in Revelation 13, we see the unholy trinity. We have the dragon, Satan. We have the beast, the Antichrist. And then we're going to look at the false prophet. Interesting, the false prophet bearing witness of the Antichrist, just as the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus. So again, he's counterfeiting. Now, when you look at the dragon, Satan doesn't or won't look like a dragon, but he certainly, you know, it communicates to us what kind of nature Satan has. He's dangerous, he's destructive, malicious, and he will be and is. Directing all the evil taking place. And certainly will be at this time period, right? Now remember the church is gone, which is going to make it easier, right? We talked about that our first week in Second Thessalonians chapter two, where the Holy Spirit, where the church is gone, the restraining is gone, that's gonna make it a lot easier. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but throughout the world, Christians are being more persecuted now. Uh, We're we're being labeled. We're being pushed into a corner, in a sense. All part of the plan. And so the church is going to be gone. And and here we see the the enemy, that Satan is the power source of the Antichrist. And then we have the beast, the Antichrist. Interesting, A references to the Antichrist in the scriptures. He's a man who will come on the scene, as we talked about in Second Thessalonians. He'll be attractive, very charismatic, politically savvy and wise, but a man who's indwelt by Satan. Uh, four times in the Bible, this man is called Antichrist, which ultimately connects to his purpose. It's interesting, the prefix of Anti has two possible meanings, and probably both here. Number one, it's used to, to mean against, right? The Antichrist certainly will be against or opposing Jesus for everything that he stands for. When we've had this, as John says, in the letter of John, first John, uh, this Antichrist spirit has always existed, right? The enemy has always come against God and against the Son. Now, why is that? Well,
3: well, Satan doesn't know God's timing, so he has, he has, has to always be prepared
0: for. Okay? His end time. He knows his time is short, but he doesn't know all the details. Mm-hmm. So, certainly, uh, when we see here that re- the restrainer's gone, he knows that, and it's just going to be easier. And it's just like what we see today. Satan is clever. He uses man. He hates man, but he uses man for his purposes. And what we see going on today, it's easier, right? The plan in place has always been for us to get to that one world government. And you, the last two years, had, it's fast-paced because the crisis that they long for happened. Right. Well, they created the crisis, well, created the crisis. Yeah, but I think they are even so. I think they're even surprised that it's happened as easy oh, wow. as it did, mm-hmm. as it fear. has. Fear. fear. Oh, yeah, fear. fear people. Yep. Tell a lie often enough, people believe it becomes reality. Well, again, it's perception, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about perception mm-hmm. and getting the masses to believe the lie. And they're doing that and it's all started long ago it didn't just happen in 2020 years of conditioning, years of conditioning. that's exactly what's taking place you look at our, our schools the media it's, it's all to influence and to give that perception that uh, we need somebody to govern us because we can't govern ourselves right indoctrination it's happening in universities college. this has been planned it's so cleverly and here we are and now you have, what we have is, uh, you know, I got saved uh, in the 90s. And so I know, and, you know, it's not even a long time, but things have changed so fast. When I first got saved, it was how to, how to debate a Jehovah's Witness and, and Mormonism and, and other cults. And now it's like, you can't use, that's off the chart. We're not even there, Right. My point is that we've gone from the last, you know, two generations removed from really the Judeo-Christian perspective. We moved away our, our, our you know, even maybe even some of our kids have moved away from growing up in church, you know, and, and living their life. I could and, and, and they got indoctrinated and, you know, that's what Satan does. And so that we're getting farther and farther down the line. And now we have, it's not even popular or not even, you know, people that go to church. It's not as much, Christ isn't as much in their life. You get, then you throw in church is not teaching the Bible, right? And you have, you have this whole thing going on where people have been removed from the truth. And they're hearing more of the lie right that's been given and so they're going that way and now you have people so conditioned that our young millennials are so conditioned they want this right. they think it's good because they are told how bad we are as a nation and they believe the lies and so a free check no work sounds good to me right but it's all part of the plan very cleverly but we're not without hope right We know what's going on. So we have this uh, beast, the Antichrist. Uh, The word anti anti also means in place of. He will be a counterfeit or a false messiah and an imposter. And the goal of any imposter is to get people to treat him as they were the real thing. Now, let me go back to the question. I don't know how I got off so so far, but uh, that's okay. Thank you for your grace. What, what does Satan want? Or what does what the Antichrist especially... He counterfeits Jesus, but what does he want, ultimately? Worship, worship. He wants worship. He wants what Jesus has, right? He wants that. But he's not the real thing. He can't, he can't get that. He's an imposter. So, the Antichrist, he will come on to this scene promising peace... He's the son of destruction. Of course, we know at the midpoint of the three-and-a-half-year mark, look at in Daniel, Jesus said it in Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, about the abomination of desolation, where he stands in the temple, declares himself as God, and uh, will demand worship. So verse 4. So the Antichrist going to be killed, he's going to be resurrected, mocking the, the resurrection of Jesus, and then in verse 4, so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast, who is able to make war with him, and he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and was given authority to continue for 42 months. How long is 42 months? Where did we hear that before? Daniel. Daniel. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemed against, blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and, to, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now I highlighted that verse there in verse 10. What does that mean? Here we see the Lord revealing what's going to take place. Uh, you have the dragon who's going to give power to the beast, the Antichrist. He's going to be fatally wounded, right? And then he's going to come back to life. And then, then they're going to worship the Antichrist. And, you know, we read for three and a half years. And then in verse 10, we have this. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Why? What, what does God want us to see there? Absolutely. This is for those during the tribulation who will come to faith. And that to me is just amazing. God, God's love, his grace and his mercy that even during this time, he's going to provide opportunities for people to repent and turn to him. And there will be there. You know, we have, uh, you know, some say we're going to have a, 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 a huge revival before the rapture of the church. I, I don't see that in the Bible. I certainly hope that's true. That's our prayer, right? We want to see revival. But we know there's going to be a revival in the tribulation period because we read of the martyrs, right? So this is, this is encouragement to them. Can you imagine living in the tribulation? No, for one, we can't. But what if we were and we had a Bible? Wouldn't that be amazing? It will be amazing for those who will. That's why we need to leave our Bibles and have them out. Mark them up like Joe Barber and, and, and put them right, right to the scriptures they need to hear. Because they'll be able to access these. You know, as we talk about this, it,
2: it, it just stirs me up again because it's, we really need to be doing our due diligence. I mean, we're all excited about this because we know what's going to happen and everything. But there are so many thousands and thousands of people out there that that my heart's out for them. We really need to be praying. You know that's my thing, Pastor is is that we we really need to be praying for the lost cuz we get excited about going and all of us want to go and everything but I don't want to go we can't go until that last person's meant to come in and we need to be praying 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 to bring these people in. Yep, amen. And we we have a great time talking about it and we get real excited and we're all smiling and everything but I think about those people that are way out there that don't know, you know, that maybe and and maybe they're not they don't have the opportunity to know they're not in around people like like us not that we're the greatest or anything but you know what i mean so well, i, I just that's them. just my encouragement and everything mm-hmm. because it makes me sad that so many people will not come in
0: mm-hmm. absolutely we should have a burden yes we a should. burden for the loss But
2: i think of my fam- my own son my family members i mean they know who i am but but they they are not believers, you know, and and that's when I want to go, but I don't want to go until they come too, you know. I I can't bear the thought of them going to hell. I mean mm-hmm.
0: seriously. Anyway, yep, absolutely. That's
2: my two cents there.
0: That was a nickel. That wasn't two cents. <laughs> that was a nickel. <laughs> Very good.
5: trust Him with them gives us peace of mind because it's not about what we do, it's about what He has done and what He will continue to do. But yes, you <coughs> make a difference. But, it's a, but we don't have to worry. I
2: have okay. been worrying a little I bit. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to encourage you <laughs>
5: Thank that you. He loves them even more than you do. Mm, yeah.
0: Amen. So. Yeah,
3: exactly. Okay. Shana? Well, you know, you said to have your Bibles out and you know, for if we're gone, the 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 witnessing that you do while we're still here, if you you have planted this planted seeds, but they haven't accepted Christ, those seeds when they've heard this and then and then they ex- we're gone and they experience that, they're going to be like, oh wait a minute, that's what they he were talking broke. about. Yeah. <laughs> Let me like <laughs> investigate this a little bit more, and you know, like so. Well, even if you don't bring someone to the lord you might be planting the seeds that they're going to need for this time
0: absolutely and uh, to be faithful like that we have to remember okay it's far out there to believe in jesus coming for his church right that's out there for those who don't believe Mm -hmm. to us it's our blessed hope it is rooted in our from our convictions right so don't 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 think that we shouldn't talk about the rapture because it's way out there because this is what they're going to do. This is the two choices they'll have. Either Jesus came for his church like my friend told me or the UFOs came and took the crazy Christians out of here. That's their choice. That's where they're going. Absolutely, they're going there. Jason? Yep. I have a question
6: that kind of goes to what we're talking about, though. I've heard different teachers speak about, um, you know, that if you don't accept Christ before the rapture, that, you know, God's going to send the strong delusion and those that, you know, did not have the love of the truth, basically, a lot of people aren't going to have the opportunity for salvation. Is that correct? or? Uh,
0: I, d- I don't agree with that because that would include everybody then if it was just a straight line truth that everybody would be deluded. Obviously, after the church is gone, at that very moment, the rest of the world has not believed in the truth of who Jesus is and that God sent him for our sin to go to the cross and to give us the abundant life, right? So that, at that moment, includes the whole world. But God, in his great love and mercy and grace, he does provide ways, as we're going to look here, through the good guys of the tribulation to evangelize, Mm. and I think to Jonah's point, I think there's going to be probably a more majority of people coming to the Lord from our witness, and our testimony, and and the things that we share with people, I'm convinced there's going to be those that will, you know, know that something happened, they're going to repent on the moment, so it's a work here to the point then the Holy Spirit will bring forth the truth. And we're going to see that God goes out of His way during the tribulation to share the truth to people, and they won't repent. They even believe in Him. It's not like they don't believe in God. They, they, they're they cursing God, shaking their fist at Him as He's judge, bringing forth judgment. Isn't that the referee mind? Absolutely, and that's part of the tribulation. It's you know, man is to the point where they can't live with you, you know any other way, and the consequences of their sin, the rebellion, has caught up with them. If they want man on the throne. Well, they're going to have a man on the throne possessed by Satan. That help you out at all?
6: Yeah, I just like I said, you know, I just heard that, and I've heard different teachers teach that, and I wasn't sure because. Like Corinne, I've got children that aren't saved, but they—they they have denied the love of the truth, and it scares me for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been told the truth repeatedly, but they just—I mean, I've got one daughter that's just like, "Do not talk to me about God again." You know, and so I—I I get scared. I, I hope that you're correct that you know, she'll a light bulb will go off and mm-hmm. she's going to go, "Oh," but. You know, I'm also scared that she'll be sucked into the strong delusion.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that strong delusion has, there's delusion now um, like it says in Second Thessalonians that would take place during the tribulation. People will get saved from, from hopefully our witness, our testimony of sharing the truth. We know God has a plan that he's going to e- evangelize but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to be a living hell here on earth gonna. They're going to go through, uh, you know, even to become a believer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like now. It's going to be, you're going to be hunted. Right.
1: And I pray, too, for, like, I have a lost son and lost family members, too, and when I pray, my son's down in Florida, that, um, that I pray, God, send somebody to them that will be witness to them because I'm not there. And they don't listen to the parents. They think we're old and dumb or something, but, you know, uh, that's why they don't listen. They won't, you know. Mm-hmm. They think that we, but somebody, they, somebody else might get their attention, besides me.
3: But yeah, but you'll be surprised that if you've if you've put that word out there, even if they're denying it, they're they've heard it. Yes. You know, and then when this all happens, then hopefully you would want them to to come come to the, to the Lord before. But when that all happens, they're going to be like, Ooh, Mom wasn't so stupid after all. <laughs> you know that's what I mean? Right. That's right. You know?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I hope he makes his mind up before that point, but, <laughs> but if
1: not, that's what God has planned for him. It to Jesus. And, and, and you know
2: what, what comes to my mind right now? And I've never thought. I think some of us, we ought to be
0: down on our hands and knees praising and thanking the Lord that he saved us. Absolutely. Not, seriously. That's yep. what comes yeah. to me is that that
2: we should be so, so very grateful
0: that Amen. he came
2: to us and, and, and one way or another got through to us. What how incredible that whole situation is. Yep. Amen. It just gives me goosebumps. I'm so so grateful. And I don't know that I've ever I've ever this about being grateful. Like you just, well, I'm going to church again. I can't wait to go to church. You know, and here we yes, going to you church. you do. But every you don't week. think every, that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The every week. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's that what he did with us uh, and what revelation. he put up with us. Some of us. Yeah. If we should just,
1: it's 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 a, it's a miracle.
0: Amen. It is every one of us. Pat.
1: We're, I was in the car today. And David Jeremiah was on the radio and he was quoting somebody and he quoted Spurgeon maybe but he wasn't sure if it really was Spurgeon but he said kiss the wave that threw you against the rock of ages Mm -hmm. Mm. because sometimes you need to be thrown against the rock for him to
0: come to you Yep. Amen Mm -hmm. Amen Okay so let's move on here and we're going to look at the third person of this unholy trinity, the false prophet.
3: <laughs>
0: Survey says. <laughs> verse 11. Uh, yes, of Revelation 13, verse 11, it says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Okay, so back in verse 11, John sees in the vision another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. This is speaking of the false prophet, and it's interesting, it says two horns like a lamb. What's that referring to? Okay, it's not Jesus here. Okay, what about Jesus He's a counterfeiter or act like a counterfeiter as a false prophet. He's described as a lamb, like like a lamb, gentle. Nobody's going to be afraid of a lamb, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But they should be afraid of this one who looks like a lamb. We see here that... um, you know, he takes part in the resurrection of the beast. We see here a major work of the false prophet will lead people to worship the Antichrist, the beast. Obviously, this is a religious figure. Right? We don't know for sure, but when you think of of this religious figure, it's going to be somebody who the world will recognize as somebody being religious, and you see this one leading people to worship, and people are just going to follow, right? Tied in with everything we know in the tribulation period. And so we know that he also is deceiving, typical of Satan, typical of the Antichrist, and typical of the false prophet. It's interesting to me that in verse 15 it says he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed doesn't sound like somebody like a lamb to me right so there's going to be pointing to the antichrist worshiping him and if you don't Somehow, this one, the, the the false prophet takes, you know, part of his workings is is you know having people killed for not worshiping the beast. We talk about those who get saved during the tribulation period. Again, they're going to be hunted, not taking the mark or not worshiping the the antichrist. So when we think about this unholy uh, trinity. Um, let's see what the scriptures say. Turn uh, real quick to Revelation 16. Uh, Revelation 16 verse 13 says, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet you know i like frogs but um <laughs> what's that mean it's just the blasphemies the evil coming out of out of all three of the the, the unholy trinity again some of the mindset or the vision that john sees of what's put to word is it, it's it's amazing and we can't be i'm one to. uh not to get dogmatic about things.